let's look at Romans 9, 24 to 29 one more time. We've had one session on this, and uh, we need one more. Father, as we probe into how the promises made to Israel actually apply wonderfully to the Gentiles, that would include me and other um, viewers who trust Christ, as we, as we probe into how this works, help us to be strengthened by how we are folded into the great redemptive work of God. So make us stronger Christians, more bold witnesses because of the role that we have as Gentiles in fulfilling the promise to Israel. So perhaps you recall that I said the new thing that Paul does in this paragraph here that he had not done before in verses 1 through 23 of Romans 9 is to say that the us here not only includes those from Jews, but also from Gentiles. I know this is beginning in the middle of a sentence, and it would be good perhaps to back up and get the whole sentence. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us. Even us. So that's the us here. Even us, the vessels of mercy, whom he has called, not from Jews only, but from the Gentiles also. And the astonishing thing last time that we saw is that that us goes all the way back to the true Israel of verse 6. The children of God, the children of promise, the elect. So the true Israel now is not only limited, not all Jews, but only some from Jews, but it is expanded by including some from Gentiles. And I raised the question why Paul would introduce that here, namely that Gentiles are included in the us who are the true Israel. And I said it's because he saw that his main point in the chapter hangs on it. The main point of the chapter is It is not as though the word of God has has failed, verse 6 of Romans 9. And his argument was first that not all those descended from Israel belong to Israel. And his argument now is that not only is the promise not valid for Israel, everybody in Israel, but only for the elect, the vessels of mercy, but it is also valid for some from Gentiles. And therefore, if this is part of the promise to Israel, then to establish this is necessary to see that the word of God has not fallen. And the way he argues now here and here from the Old Testament, for these two points, shows that he believes it is part of the promise to Israel. So he's going to argue from Hosea, Hosea 
3 and 1, uh, 10, he's going to argue that some of the people of God, the Jews, the true Israel, come from Gentiles. And then from Isaiah here, he's going to argue that Isaiah pronounces concerning Israel, cries out concerning Israel, namely the Jews, and Hosea here is being used to show that Gentiles are included. So let's read Hosea as he quotes it. As indeed he says, Hosea, in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call, keep that in mind here, call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved, and in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. So you can see clearly he, he, he wants to draw out of Hosea the fact that God's call of some of, of, of uh, Israel here back to himself implies that the Gentiles are included. Now, here's the question. If he wants to argue from Hosea that uh, those who are not my people, namely Gentiles, are now my people, why would he choose a passage in Hosea where in the original context the not my people is being pronounced over Israel? Hosea is about God's telling his adulterous bride, Israel, I reject you now. I put you away. You are not my people. And then he says to her, again, you are my people. Why would he do that? And I think there, there are two reasons why Paul would choose this text. One is because he takes very seriously the words, not my people. When God says, those who are not my people, I will call my people, he takes it seriously. When it says here, you are not my people, they will be called my people or sons of the living God. He takes this seriously. Paul sees this as so serious. In other words, God has just pronounced over Israel, your Jewishness does not constitute you as my people which opens the door to seeing the fact that Gentiles can be seen in not my people because God is viewing the Jewish people as he rejects them as not his people. Their Jewishness doesn't guarantee their belonging to the true Israel and Gentilishness doesn't exclude one, therefore, from belonging to the true Israel. That's the first reason why I think he refers to Hosea here. The second is he really does want to say that these Gentiles have become sons of the living God and are Jewish, the way we saw last time in chapter 2 of Romans. A Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not the letter, and so on. Now, the second thing Paul does is argue again, and this is repetition from the argument in chapter 9, verse 6 to 13, that not all, not all those from the Jews are 
Israel, but some are. So Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant shall be saved. In other words, the promises of the Old Testament never were intended to imply that every Jew would be included in the remnant or the saved elect. For the Lord will carry out his sentence. The Lord is doing this upon the earth without delay. And Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us an offspring. So here is God uh, choosing that there be some Jews in the elect had left us an offspring, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, which stresses the fact that Jewishness itself doesn't guarantee that one would not be in the same category as the Gentiles. So here's the good news for all of us uh, Gentile latecomers to redemptive history. God has promised that the us here of the elect, of the vessels of mercy of the children of God would not only come from Jews, but would come from Gentiles. And this is the great mystery that Paul talks about in Ephesians 3. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as. It was made known, but it wasn't as clear. It wasn't made known as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is the Gentiles, our fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus are true Jews and heirs of the promise. And here's the way it says it in Galatians 3. In Christ Jesus, you are all, you Gentiles, are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Jew nor Greek. Neither slave nor free. No male nor female. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if, here it is, if you are Christ's, if you Gentiles are Christ's, if you have believed in him and belong to him, you are Abraham's offspring. You are the Romans 9, 6, true Israel. You are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That's got to be the best news in all the world for us Gentiles who all along thought that we were excluded from the redemptive purpose of God when he It was really God's purpose all along that he would include Gentiles not just as some kind of marginal add-on to Israel, but as the very heart of Israel along with the Jewish people.